Good morning. Morning. It's a brand new day, and uh, it's good to be here. Thank you all for coming, and uh, we'll go ahead and get started. I was blessed this morning uh, reading Isaiah chapter 43. I'll uh, open up with this this morning, starting in verse 1. It says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And those are just comforting verses. I know a lot of us have um, gone through many hardships in our lives, and as long as we're in this world, those days aren't over. There's always hardships to go through, but it's so good to know that when we pass through the waters, they won't overflow us. When we pass through the fire, it won't scorch us because He is with us and He takes care of us. And uh, we're here to worship our amazing God this morning. So let's all stand to our feet and we'll open up with a word of prayer. Brother Kerry, would you lead us out sure. in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can be here this morning, Lord. It's not about us that we're here, Lord. It's about you. And Lord, we are so thankful for all that you are doing in our lives. And Lord, we just want to praise you this morning and thank you in through song and the words that are sung, Lord, of the that we can proclaim the amazing grace, the glory, the love that we have because of you. Yes. And Lord, the life that we live that is full of peace, joy, and love because of what you have done in our lives. And I pray that that would be our testimony as we sing to you and also as a witness to each other this morning. Be with those that are traveling or missing or still traveling to get here, Lord. I just pray you protect them and lead them here. And Lord, just be in our midst this morning. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and speak to us. And I pray that we would be encouraged. But yes. Lord, that also we would be in a blessing to you as your children. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. That at the sons and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine. That the sons and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine as we declare this is the day.
Amen, Lord Jesus. Yes, we come before you this morning. We just lift your name high, Lord. You are a good God, worthy to be praised. And Lord, we thank you that you are full of mercy and truth, Lord. You're full of justice. And God, we can come to you and just worship you this morning, Lord. Thank you for that. Your mercies are new every morning that you create each day. And you are faithful. You never change. Father, just fill our hearts with your praise this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to just uh, open it up. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Me and Carrie were talking about it. Um, as a body of believers together worshiping the Lord, it's it's not about us, the this praise team, and you all, the audience. We want this to be a um, we want this to be a complete uh, service, if you will, and have you all included. Uh, you can be seated. And uh, so just at any time through our praise, feel free to, to just worship in your own way. Um, if you have a testimony or a, a prayer request or anything on your heart that the Lord's showing you, um, it's just a time of open worship and fellowship together as a body. And uh, so that's, that's my heart, and I hope that's uh, your hearts as well. Just a time of encouragement and testimony and praising our God. Generations, Preston's over there playing drums this morning, so we decided to go over and uh, and uh, I don't know if he needs encouragement, whatever, support him. How does that work? Um, but that's what we decided to do this morning. So we were there at eight. There is awful early to be there. Um, anyway, but the pastor shared a verse, and I I have forgotten about these verses. Philippians four, um, and I just think this applies so well for myself in these days. Um, it's so interesting how how worried we get about things. And I just thought these verses applied so well for myself. Philippians 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I had to think about that. And I had to think, well, how often am I just asking God or making my request made known to God? It doesn't say that I just have to uh, not be anxious about everything. It says to actually ask him, to actually make it known to him why I'm anxious. So if I am anxious, I just make a, uh, I, in everything by prayer and supplication, then I'm making my thanksgiving. So in other words, with thanksgiving, I'm giving that to God. I'm thankful for already for what God is doing. And then I'm also making known my supplication to him. And it says then, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, that's very true, isn't it? When we give it to God, how much it is true in our lives that um, it becomes that we have the peace of God. And then it also gives us a solution to how to make this a reality in our lives. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Isn't that the answer of what we have so often? You know, many times when people are stressed out or dealing with a lot of stress, what do they do? They put on this really soothing music that sounds, or maybe it's a sound machine with a brook bubbling through it. Isn't that interesting? Why does that, why does that calm you down? Because you're thinking on something lovely. 
how many times do we need to do that in our own lives just think about something that is pure lovely wholesome of god and it calms us it takes our spirit and it puts us exactly where we should be in the presence of god instead of living in this world worried about the things of this world that was an encouragement i received this morning amen i can testify to that i had a day this past week where i was somehow i got onto the stinking thinking in the morning and uh, just man i struggled throughout the whole day i come home and and my wife just encouraged me to what did what were you thinking about this morning like what what did that and all of a sudden i realized you know the more that we think about there's a reason it says that the verse says think on these things whatever is pure lovely just holy holy we think on those things our day will go a lot better and we can focus on the lord amen you're worthy of my praise let's sing with all our hearts
can say, we can sing things and say things so easily and quickly. I was just thinking, do I give God all my worship? Really all, like, is he the only thing that I truly care about, that I truly seek after? Is he the only one that I give all my praise? And I found that there are other things in my heart that I I need to repent and confess that he is not the only thing that I worship. And so I just confess that and pray that um, that could truly be my testimony. And you guys can pray for me too, that he alone would be the only one that I seek honor, that I seek praise. Um, nothing else. I mean, everything else could be taken away in an instant, but um, he is truly the only thing that matters, the only thing that we should truly care about.
thought about maybe we just need to say silence so long that you guys feel the awkward silence and feel you have to fill it. <laughs> you know, uh, as an encouragement to you guys, last Sunday, it was, we were up here singing, and you guys can be seated if you'd like. I get long-winded, I'm sorry. Um, we were up here singing, and I felt strongly that we needed to pray, pray for Shritha. And I don't know if any, not all of you may know who Shritha is, but Preston, he lives at our house, and it's his girlfriend, and she's in India right now. And she doesn't come from a very loving family at all. I mean, they're Indian to the core. And it is complete rule by, I don't know what you want to call it, but it is not love that you show to your children. It is just, it's a law, and you honor them because they're your parents and very little else. And she's not a Christian, she's Hindu. And I felt very strongly that we needed to pray for her. And I didn't want to embarrass Preston. And so I was just like, well, no, I'll just, ah, I'll pass that off. I'm not, we're not going to pray for her. And, you know, I walked to the back after we were done singing sometime during the message there. I walked back and I got a cup of coffee and Preston was sitting back there and I started talking with him a little bit during the message. And he just started sharing with me about all the things that were going on in Shritha's life while we were singing. And she was having a very tough time with her parents and the things that they were saying to her and just Preston was like, Preston's, I don't know that he's a Christian. He's not living as one, but he was just saying she needs to find God's love. Just pray that she gets saved. Pray that she finds the Lord. And I find this very interesting. And but I was very convicted, and on the way home, I told Saretta about it, and Saretta was like, huh, I felt the same. I felt that we needed to pray for Sharitha, but I too didn't want to embarrass Preston. So don't be shy about these things. God asks us, we're, we're, I was encouraging one of the young men this week, we don't pray here as to, if you're leading in prayer, it's not that you're praying for us to hear. We're praying to him. What up? And you were leading in prayer. I try to teach my boys this. When we lead out in prayer, the idea of leading out in prayer is that we're actually leading. That means that everybody else is also praying. They're not listening. We're leading. So in other words, you're leading the thoughts of what we're all praying about per se, but we're leading in prayer. Everybody else is also praying to God. And I try to teach my boys that. I grew up with the idea that, wow, you just sit there and listen to the person that's praying. And uh, that's all it was. But the reality of it is we're leading in prayer. We're not praying for the words of others to be heard or for others to hear our words. But we're praying as to the Father. It's no different than having a conversation with Him. If others are listening in, that's okay. Um, but we're hoping that we're all praying together. But I want to be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When He leads us to pray for someone, or He leads me to pray for someone, that I immediately do so, regardless of what I may think others may think, or someone may think. In this case, it was Preston. But to be there and to actually pray for them. And that being said, I just, I wanna just pray right now for Preston and Shritha both, as I feel like God is taking them through a time in their life together, which is, which is good. Um, but that he is opening that door so wide open for them to see himself for who he is. And I think it's making Preston question everything in his own life because of how 
We as a family, as a church, as a youth group have loved Shritha. And she sees that. She's not blind to that. And she sees the love of God going on in her life. And Preston's seeing it and he's going, how can you not open your arms to this? But at the same time, I'm looking at Preston going, how can you not open your arms to God also? And I think God is at work. We often set a time frame. I've so often, we look at Preston's lived in our house almost a year and it's like, God, how long is it going to take? God is not a God that works on a time frame. He's a God of patience. And we're the ones as humans that are in such a hurry all the time. And I want to just settle down a little bit and let God do his work. Let's just pray for Preston Schrether right now. Heavenly Father, I just come before you. Lord, you know them way better than I know them. And you know the deepest hurts and desires of their lives. And I just pray for Shritha as she is in India, Lord. I pray that you would do a work in her, Lord, that the, the religion that she is a part of there would be so dull and worthless to her that she would find it as no joy, no comfort whatsoever. Yes. But, Lord, that she would look and remember the things of you, the things that she has heard through either family devotions or being here at church or youth group, Lord. I just pray that she would remember those things. And remember that Jesus Christ loves her just as she is, for who she is, and that it is your desire that she becomes a daughter of yours. And Lord, I pray also for Preston, Lord, through mm -hmm. this time. And I just pray that you would do a work in their hearts together, but also, Lord, in Preston as himself, that he would also under have a better understanding of who you are, a better understanding of what you want in his life. And Lord, that you unconditionally love him. It's not about anything that he can do. It's nothing about performance. It's, it's nothing that he can attain to, Lord, that you love him for who you have created him to be. And Lord, I just pray that your light would shine forth. Help us to have patience to uh, wait on you in this time. But Lord, we also trust you that it is your desire to call them to yourself. And we trust you in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. thinking this past week just of the greatness of God uh, you know it's in this world we have tribulation but uh, Jesus said to take courage for I have overcome the world and one of those things that he's overcome is death you know our loved ones um, my wife has her dad and her youngest sister that have gone on to be with the Lord but that's not the end we'll see them again someday because Jesus has overcome the grave and he's beat death Sing together. The moon and stars they went. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross. His blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon
Amen. Brother Steve, would you come up? Steve came to me last Sunday. He said, hey, I have a song that I'd like to sing. I said, sure, why not? Um, this brother has been a real encouragement. He's just full of the joy of the Lord. If you've ever talked to him, you'll find that out real soon. So um, we're going to back him up and we're going to let him sing. And then um, we'll, we'll all join in on the, first, on the fourth uh, verse. We'll all join in as a congregation and help.
Okay, the children come forward. Got a guitar player up here. Oh, you're gonna join Jason back there. Okay. You hey. help Jason out there. All right. Is there? Did you have to get led up here? You have to drag her up. So, is there one person more shy than another in your family? Sorry, I missed you. You're just blending in here. All right. So we're going to have to sing faster this morning, or John's going to have to preach shorter, one or the other. Um, so what song do you want to sing? Cast Your Burdens. Well, I don't even have to stand up here then. I can just step right on back and let Jason... Oh, that chord just gets shorter every Sunday. Everybody stand up and let's let's all do this together, shall we? If you're able to, if you uh, if you're. I want to see if like Lel doing a. <laughs> <laughs> all right, are you ready? Are you ready, Judah? All right. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for He cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. For he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus. Higher, 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 lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 lower. Satan lower, 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 Satan lower, lower, cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Cast your burdens onto Jesus, for he cares for you. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher, lower, 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 Satan, lower, 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 higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Higher, higher, lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, 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 lift up Jesus, higher, higher. Woo! Woo! You All right, you out of breath yet? Yeah. Huh, let me see, what can we do then? Huh? You're out of breath? Huh? You're out of breath? Okay, um, wrapped up, tied up already? Okay, here we go. We don't have drums though, so it's gonna be, 
Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up. Wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in God. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm inside. Outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm inside. Outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm inside. Outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side, inside, outside, side to side in God. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright, living right in Jesus. I'm upright, downright. Living right in Jesus, I'm upright, down, right, living right, upright, down, right, living right, upright, down, right, living right in God. I'm tied up, tangled up in Jesus, I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus, I'm upright, down, right, living right in Jesus, I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side. Upright, down, right, living right in God. I'm upright, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, down, right, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side. Upright, down, right, living right in God. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. I'm inside, outside, side to side in Jesus. I'm upright, down, right, living right in Jesus. I'm wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, inside, outside, side to side. Upright, down, right, living right in God. Woo! I'm going to remember not to do that right after I stand back there and jump. Benny. Okay. So Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Um... I've got, oh, who's the king of the jungle? Okay, we haven't done that one for at least two Sundays. Oh, and without Michael and Lucas here, we might actually get the girls to be really, really, really all by themselves. Okay. Benny, are you going to sing with the girls? You're not? Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, D, I think. 
Them, we'll see how good they do it at uh, saying where, and then we'll let them. Then we'll let them ask you guys. Okay. What key? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. sounded like you're almost sleeping okay so all those donuts that my boys had this morning sugar from mcdonald's that legsky had this morning mmm did you have a mcgriddle was it a mcgriddle was it a pancake sandwich with all the sweet stuff in it oh okay all right i've got the wonderful love of my blessed you up here finally wow is there a song you want to sing Ooh, sassy you got a song you want to sing which one building up the temple oh boy i've sang that since i was your age did you know there was once a day i was just like except i had hair but i stood right where you're at and i sang all these songs too see we grow up 
and we still keep seeing them. Well, yeah. All right. Building up the So next Sunday, make sure you come, because i got something a lot more special planned for children's lesson, okay? It's going to involve a little bit of your taste buds. You guys all like tasting things, right? Okay. So if you come next week, then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you taste a few things. Because all things taste amazing, right? Really? Man, we were going to make avocado. Oh, let me see. Or tomato toast. See? Hmm, interesting. You like what all natural? Everything all natural. Everything. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll be, I think my wife can work with that. Maybe. We'll find out. All right. For this Sunday, what's a slave? We're all slaves. Um... <laughs> Okay, something else. Hmm. Are you your own boss if you're a slave? Okay. Are we supposed to be slaves? <gasps> oh, then you answer yes because I gasp. Who are we supposed to be slaves to? Christ. That's what Paul says. Okay. This is about two little girls. Almost 100 years ago, two young girls lived in a small village in the jungles of the Congo, Africa. Instead of a house, they slept in a small grass hut. Instead of worshiping God, they believed in all kinds of natural spirits, of nature spirits, and witchcraft. When they weren't helping their mothers with baking bread and preparing meals, they often stood on the shore of the big river and watched the men come and go in their dugout canoes. But one day, something terrible happened. Warriors from an unfriendly tribe raided their village and captured the two girls. They brought them back to their own village and sold them as slaves to their chief. The two frightened girls had to work very hard. If they didn't please the chief, they were beaten. Nobody seemed to care about them anymore. But God cared. He soon sent a young man to rescue them. His name was George Grenfell. 
and he had come all the way from England to tell the people in the Congo about Jesus the Savior. He traveled up and down the river, which was also called the Congo, on a small steamboat named, named Peace. As he passed the different tribes and villages, God led him to the natives who needed his love and were ready to hear about Jesus. One day, God brought him to the village where the two girls were held captive. When the chief showed him his unhappy young slaves, Grenfell felt sorry for them. Though he didn't want slaves for himself, he paid the price for freeing them from their unkind owner. I'm going to set an example. The girls were both excited and a little scared. They didn't know why Grenfell had paid their ransom, but they climbed into his boat and started the trip upriver. Before long, they faced another danger. Grenfell spotted a group of warriors carrying their swords along the riverbank. Some of them jumped into their dugout canoes and paddled toward the steamer. When the big boat was close enough, the warriors began to throw their spears at the boat. Grenfell knew their lives were in danger, so he prayed to God for wisdom and protection. Suddenly, one of the girls began to shout and wave her hands. What is it? What is it? asked Grenfell. That's my brother, she cried. This is my village. By now, both girls were waving and shouting. So were the warriors. There were, they were too noisy to hear anyone else. Then God gave Grenfell a great idea. He told the pilot to blow the ship's whistle. The loud, piercing sound frightened the men. They had never heard anything so shrill and strange. Suddenly, all was quiet. Call your brother again, whispered Grenfell. She did, and this time he heard. He paddled up to the boat and recognized his sister. She told him how the man in the canoe, how the man in the canoe that smoked had saved her from her slave master. When the warriors saw that their enemies were actually their friends, they put away their weapons and invited Grenfell and the pilot into their village. There they listened, listened quietly as Grenfell told them about the real Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to pay the ransom for all the people held captive by sin and by Satan. By trusting in Jesus and following his way, they too could be part of his family. God would be free God would free from all God would free from all the frightening things in their lives. He would watch over them in their life, then bring them home to heaven for all eternity. The two young girls had suffered terribly, but God turned the tragedy into triumph. Okay. So do we believe that God can take us from being slaves of this world to his? Which one do you think is better? How do we know that? Hmm. Okay, he did. He took our sins away. But what does he say? He said, I will make your burden. What? Your, for my yoke is, do you know that verse? My yoke is easy and my burden is heavy. No, light. It's light. That's how we know that being slaves of Christ is the best thing we can ask for. Because it's not that he takes us. He doesn't beat us. He doesn't whip us into submission. But we, we give ourselves to him. He's the best master we could ever ask for. All right. You guys can go back to your parents. Well, good morning. Good morning. There we go. Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you, worship team and kids and
Steve, for all sharing your talents with us this morning and uh, leading us in worship. I think I left my paper back here with uh, announcements written on it, so I should probably retrieve that. I uh, find I can't always depend on my memory anymore. So as uh, most of you know, or at least can see right now, um, Phil and Katie and their family are not here with us this morning. They're traveling to uh, a wedding. I think they had a wedding in Texas yesterday, I believe it was, so they're with family. So uh, pray for them that they'd have a good time and safe travels. And in Phil's absence, uh, John Olive is... Uh, consented to come share the word with us today, so we're excited about that. So come on up here, John. We'll uh, pray for you and uh, give the time over to you so that uh, Carrie doesn't have to worry about going over time. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this uh, day that you have blessed us with. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for my brother John and his willingness to come share your word with us today. I pray that you would speak to him and through him and Give him the words that you want us to hear. I pray that we would hear your word this morning and apply it to our lives and be changed by your word here this morning. So I pray that you would anoint my brother's lips and give him wisdom and give him peace and help him to say the things that you have for him to say here this morning. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Okay, I should be on. We're good? All right, excellent. Oh, good morning. Always, time I show up here, I see uh, old familiar faces. The Chilton family has joined us. It's uh, awesome to see y'all and uh, Mike and Tanya. And it's, it's, a, it's a real blessing. Um, well, this is, this is going to be, I, I, you know, the, the gift of pastor-teacher uh, I, I lean more towards the teaching side of that than the than the pastor side. I don't often preach, uh, and so this is going to be one of those teaching lessons. In fact, it's going to get interactive at some point. Um, as a federal probation officer, uh, spent a lot of time uh, engaged in helping people understand how to think differently about the choices they make in life. And I actually became a facilitator with the U.S. probation system uh, and traveled around the country uh, putting on uh, seminars on critical thinking. And so thinking is something I think about a lot. Unfortunately, not enough people think about their thinking. Uh, there's a, a passage in Romans chapter two, uh, 12, verse 2. In the NLT, it says... Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't ever read the NLT, but for some reason I ran across that verse, and, uh, and I really like how that comes across. That's exactly what we're talking about. So I'm going to be talking about some 
some different aspects of thinking. And the first one I'm going to uh, introduce you to, which will be the, the title of this message, is the OODA loop. Uh, anybody heard of that? The OODA loop. Okay, I'm going to spell it for you because you'll need to get it right on the, on the video. But it's O-O-D-A, capital O, capital O, capital D, capital A, OODA loop. It is an acronym that stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act. It was developed by uh, John Boyd of the U.S. Air Force uh, 15, 20 years ago, something like that. And uh, it has it has not only revolutionized military thought, but law enforcement. It spread into civilian and other government uh, agencies. And and basically, it is a it describes the process by which you and I make decisions uh, when we are confronted with external stimuli and circumstances. So we're going to go through these briefly. To observe, this is the beginning, and to do that we have to be paying attention. Uh, in, in some of the um, uh, literature on, on personal and, and uh, military defense, uh, you'll hear about saying in uh, conditioned yellow, which is a relaxed awareness of what is going on in your environment. And particularly as Christians, we live in a world that is completely hostile to how we think and how Jesus wants us to behave. And so we need to always be in conditioned yellow so that we are not taken off guard by temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Uh, not just looking, but seeing. Gee, Johnny is really quiet today. I wonder what's going on with him. You know, that car doesn't belong in this neighborhood. I wonder, is that a, is that a friend of a neighbor, or is that someone casing out the place for a burglary? Um, uh, that man over there, he looks really agitated and perhaps aggressive. wonder what's going on there. These are the kind of things we're talking about. We're staying aware of our environment, not in a paranoid way, but in a way in which we are simply uh, no longer just walking through being a potential victim. We are paying attention to what is going on around us. And, uh, and if we do that, we also not only observe things that lead to danger, but we also observe flowers and trees and the beauty that God has made in our world. It's a, it's a great way to live. Uh, so when we observe something, then we orient ourselves to it. And this is really the sticking point of this process. Uh, to orient is to adapt to what is, not being stuck in what should be. And this is where we get ourselves in trouble. Uh, this shouldn't be happening is a thought of those who fail to adapt successfully to new circumstances. Uh, the faster we can let go of emotion, the better and quicker a, a correct decision can occur. Uh, if you are a fighter pilot and your instrument panel uh, shows a lock by uh, incoming air-to-air uh, -air missile, that's not really a great time to start thinking about how much you're going to miss your wife and children and, uh, and how this is so unfair that you're in this position. 
Those thoughts are not going to help you survive that situation. You need to set that aside and start thinking about chaff and flares and evasive action. Those are the things that are going to help you survive in that situation. So the, the way that we react to the situation needs to be as free of emotion as possible, thinking about what should be or what ought to be are not going to help us deal re realistically with changed circumstances. Um, examples of failure to orient include Kodak. Uh, if you're if you're a little older, <laughs> then you remember how you know big Kodak was. Most of you young kids don't even know what Kodak is. There's a reason for that. They made film for cameras. You actually had, you didn't have digital cameras. You had to put this roll of film in there. And then you, when you got through taking your photos, you had to take this roll of film to a place and get them developed so that they could give you your pictures back. Well, when digital technology was on the forefront of things, um, Kodak didn't adapt very well, and Kodak's not in business anymore. Uh, Blockbuster is another company that used to have a big store where you'd go in and, and rent um, you could rent uh, DVDs, you could rent cassettes when they were still popular, you could rent music, and of course, the live streaming did away with all that. They didn't adapt and they went by the wayside. So, your, your a healthy approach is, okay, the circumstances have changed, I need to adapt. You and I have been given a lot of uh, uh, chances to adapt this past year, especially with COVID. Uh, there are, um, you know, there are some businesses that really don't do well during COVID, and there are some that have actually increased quite a bit, believe it or not. Uh, the ones that have uh, have done well are things like tennis. There's a huge increase in recreational tennis because it is one of the few things that you can do recreationally that you can actually practice safe social distancing. Racquetball on the other hand is pretty much in the in the tubes right now because you can't get in a small confined space with people. Um, uh, RV travel. The RV sales went through the roof in 2020. Everybody and their brother was buying RVs because it was a safe way to travel with your nuclear family and you could uh, be safe doing it. And so there are some, some winners in, uh, in COVID. Another one was in-home workout equipment, uh, Nautilus machines, exercise bikes. Those spiked as well because people couldn't go to a gym to work out, they had, they, but they could buy the equipment and put it in their home and work out. So there's all sorts of, of things that happen when situations change and we can lament about how we don't like the way things are and it shouldn't be this way and when is it going to get back to normal or we can say, okay, here's a new reality. How do I make the best of this situation? And just that switch in attitude is hugely important in helping us adapt correctly to the new environment. Okay, so once we have oriented to the situation, then we make a decision and, and decide what we want to do and then we do it. We decide and we act. Now, once we act, then the process can start over again because 
Um, if we're dealing with a, a business environment or we're dealing with a safety situation, uh, the, the market will, might uh, change, uh, the individual might do something different, and so then we start this process over. We observe what are they doing, we orient ourselves to it, we decide and act. And so this is called the UDA loop for a reason. It's not just like a, a one-time event, it goes over and over. Um, so let me give you um, some examples of things uh, where we can, we can apply the OODA loop to. Uh, a lot of times we want to speed up processes. We want to we make our responses faster. So let's think about a driving simulator. Um, you're, if you've ever taken driver's ed and you're in the driving simulator, at some point usually there's a ball, you're driving down a residential street and there's a ball that rolls out from behind a car. Right? What's going to follow the ball? A child. Exactly. Uh, and so if, if we don't know this scenario and we don't stop for the ball, by the time the child gets in, in front of us, it's too late. We've run over the child. So maybe that happens to us the first time we are in a driving simulator because we've never driven before. Right? Okay, and we wipe out the child. Pretty graphic image that you never forget when you're in a driving simulator. I think I did it the first time. So the next time I see the ball roll out, what do I do? I put on the brakes, right? I stop because I know what's coming now. This is how the OODA loop works. I now am able to orient myself to a uh, new situation and have a response that is effective. Um, firearms training simulator, I've, I've used that extensively in my work as a preparation officer. And uh, you can get into a room with a screen on the board and um, it can have any type of scenario you can imagine. Uh, but if you're, you know, you're talking to someone and all of a sudden they pull a, a knife out from underneath their coat, um, that may be a lethal force situation, it might be a non-lethal force situation, depending on the distance. There's all sorts of different decisions that need to be made based on the uh, proximity of the individual. Um, something that you may not have ever thought about, but if, uh, if someone pulls out a canister of pepper spray, okay, for law enforcement, that is a lethal force situation. They will shoot you. You know, you, you think, well, wait a minute, that's not a lethal device. No, but if you incapacitate the officer, they're at your mercy. You can stab them, you could grab their gun because they're incapacitated, you could shoot them with their own weapon. So if you pull pepper spray on a law enforcement officer, he is going, or she is going to shoot you because they have been trained that that is a lethal force situation. So these are the kind of things where we try to speed up the reaction because we don't have time to, um, to think, uh, at, at least not in any uh, systematic way. Um, uh, we don't really live in an area where we have a lot of carjackings, but a lot of big cities do. And, uh, um, you know, I, I never really thought too much about, about carjacking. I've worked on a few cases like that. but. 
I always thought, well, gee, if you lock the doors, you know, you're you have time to do something. Oh, and then I was then I watched an episode of Forensic Files. This is a this was a new twist for me. So in, in Orlando, where they had specialized in how to do carjackings, um, you know, they pull in front of the lady, and the guy hops out. She locks the doors. He doesn't even pause. He he runs up to her car. He kicks his foot right through the window, and in less than a, in less than two seconds, he has the the car in park, and he's taking the keys out of the ignition. Now this is what you call getting inside the OODA loop of your opponent. You are, you are acting faster than they can react because they, don't, they have never anticipated what you were going to do. And after I saw that, I thought, you know what? If, if anybody pulls in front of me again, I'm changing my routine. I'm putting my car in reverse and I'm getting out of there as fast as I can because I know that there's another way that carjacking works and I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so, so these are the kind of things where we can we can uh, come up with what if scenarios, what if this happens, what if that happens, how am I gonna deal with that? And those can increase the speed at which we can react to a situation. Now, let's turn that around and say, um, uh, let's think about slowing down a reaction to provocation. This is where most of us can benefit on a daily basis, is being able to slow down our reactions. All right, so, um, we're going we're gonna to go through a couple of these, um, uh, and I'm, I'm going to actually make this uh, interactive in a, in a second. So um, I want to show you a uh, chart here, and I'm going to come down here so that I can talk to you. Hopefully you can still get me on video, but... Okay, I have a, I have a chart right here. Uh, over here on the this side, it says external. This is like events, stimuli. This is what I like to call it, a stimulus and response. Over here is behavior or response. Here is a guy's face. Because there is a, a Viktor Frankl uh, who wrote A Man's Search for Meaning. He was uh, a Jew in the consecration camps in Germany. And, wrote an incredibly powerful book after that, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. He said that the greatest of human freedoms is the ability to choose our attitude in any circumstance. Circumstances do not determine how we think, how we feel. It is our attitude that determines that. So um, when we work with people on our caseload, and I don't know, Mike, maybe even you went through this. I'm not sure if you did or not. but. Um, there is, there is a gap between every stimulus and every response. You know, it may be very short. Uh, someone may you know, make a, a rude comment to you and you might you know, spout off to them or uh, you know, say something back or whatever. And if someone asks you, you might say, well, I didn't really think, I just reacted. No, you thought. There was a thought there. It may have been very short. It might have been pre-programmed. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let anybody disrespect me. If anybody tries to disrespect me, boy, they're going to get it. You know, you have already thought in advance of what is going to happen in that situation. So um, there is an external event. There is a thought process that goes on that leads to the behavior. So let's take a, uh, 
we like to use traffic scenarios because everybody's been in traffic scenarios. And, uh, you know, and some of the other ones we may not be able to relate to. But let's say we're, we're, we're driving down the street and a car comes up really fast and, uh, and, and whips around us going way over the speed limit and pulls in and we have to slow down so we don't run into them. Okay, so what is a thought that you might have about that? What's that? He's going to do something. Okay. What else? What's that? Okay, you're going to be accident somewhere. Um, all right, you guys. All right, come on. What would you think? Huh? Exactly. All right, that's what I'm looking for. I'm fixing to punch somebody. Okay. <laughs> that is how I react. Okay. That's me. It's like, how dare that so-and-so disrespect me like that, you know? So what might I do? If I'm not thinking like a Christian and I'm in my flesh, what, what I might do in that situation? I might say something. I might scream at him. What else? Lay on the horn. There you go. You might blow the horn. Wave at him. Yeah, you might wave at him. Um, with amputated fingers or something like that. Uh, that's, that's excellent. Um, if you're really aggressive, you know, you might think about I'm going to pass him and cut him off the road, you know. Uh, I'm afraid I probably have done that when I was much younger. <laughs> okay. So, um, but all of those reactions are based on a thought pattern that we have about that circumstance. What's that? Road rage. Exactly. That's, a, that's, a, that's what we usually call this type of behavior is road rage. And it's, it's a thought pattern. It's actually not something that is a, it's not just a response. It is a way of thinking. Now, what I want to do, however, is I want to think about replacement thoughts. Okay? Replacement thoughts. So, same scenario. We have someone who cuts you off in traffic. All right. What else might you think about that situation um, that they're not being intentionally aggressive. What else could you think might be going on? On the way to the hospital because their child's in there or something like that. Um, what else? Maybe they're having a bed. Might have had a fight with his, with his wife or something, right? I mean, you, you, you know, we don't know, right? Um, could be... What's that? Exactly. And so those are, those are the three I actually thought of. All three of those. Uh, late for work, um, having a bad day, had a fight with his wife, or on his way to the hospital to because his child's there. All right? Now, do we know what's going on in his mind based on the circumstances? We absolutely do not. We are making assumptions. When, when we go into road rage mode, we are making assumptions that, that we have no basis to conclude about what is going on in that person's life. And if we make different assumptions, then what might be our new behavior? If, if we think that they're going to the hospital, or they had a, a bad day with their wife, or they're late for work, what, what might we do differently? What? 
Okay, we, we forget about it, right? Pray for him. Yes, absolutely. The, the, I remember this day so clearly because I struggled with road rage when I was a teenager. And um, it's probably been 15, I don't know, 15, 16 years ago or something. There was a day I was driving in Cheyenne and the situation happened to me. You know, a guy cut me off in traffic. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, I bet that guy is, is, is in some kind of terrible mess and he's really upset and I started praying for him. And a few minutes later, I was like, what? What did I just do? I, I, that's, that's not me. I, I can't react that way. That, that is not me. It's like, God, that is really strange. It's good. I'm, I'm not stressed out and I'm not angry. And, uh, but I don't really understand what just happened. This is how this process works. The assumptions we make about situations can change drastically, not only how we respond to it, but how we deal with it internally. Because what happens when we get angry and stressed out is we dump a bunch of uh, hormones into our system, cortisol and, and other ones that really uh, put us in that fight or flight mode. And they, they increase our stress level. They lead to all sorts of things like heart disease and everything else. So they're actually killing us. They're very helpful if we're in a dangerous situation. They're not very helpful if we're living that way, living uh, with a bunch of, of hormones dumped into our system all the time. All right, so let's take another example like this. Uh, let's think about you're, you're going to Walmart. You've, you've got to endure uh, the, uh, the, the walk of shame and go in Walmart. And, uh, and you're, you're, the parking lot is full, it's Saturday, and there's a spot up there. And, uh, and this guy turns in the other direction, and he sees you, and he speeds up. And he whips into that parking spot before you can get there. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Okay, all right. So, all right, let's think about this now. So the event is a guy pulls in front of you and grabs your parking spot, all right? And the thoughts are what? With that? Yes, you jerk, okay. Uh, maybe even worse than that. Um, uh, what else? Uh, keep your language clean. What else? <laughs> it's like, he saw me. He saw me. He knew I, he knew I had my eye on that spot, right? It's like, how dare he? It can really make you angry. And so what might you do in that situation? What would be the behavior? Okay, all right. We're going to get to that in a minute. You're getting ahead of me, Maggie. All right, so, so what might you do in that situation where you're really angry with that guy? You might glare at him. Might honk your horn at him. Might wave at them. Uh, there's, you know, there's, you might get in a, you know, go talk to them after they get out of the car. There's all sorts of things that could happen from this scenario. And, uh, and most of those aren't good. They especially aren't good for us internally because they're stirring us up again. They're getting us angry and anxious and stressed. So, all right, 
what else could we what about a thought replacement? What, what else could we think about that situation? Okay, what's that? Okay, all right. Mike, you say something? First come, first serve. First come, first serve, yeah, you know. What's the speed limit in the parking lot, right? Go ahead. What's that? Yeah. All right. Okay. Now we're starting to think along the lines I was I was thinking of. Um, I actually wound up giving up my parking spot in the basement of the federal building in Cheyenne for one of my coworkers because he had gout, and so I parked across the street, and he got to go down into the basement and. Um, 40 mile an hour wind with ice on the ground. Um, I thought about that every day, you know. Um, I gave up that parking spot for him. Uh, maybe the guy is injured. Maybe he's got medical problems. Um, what, about, uh, what about this thought? You know, maybe God will bless me with another spot closer even. Um, what about, that's all right, I need the exercise. God just decided I needed to park a little further out and get, you know, more steps in while I go to Walmart. Not that I'm not going to get enough while I'm in there going up and down the 100-yard aisles, but anyway, I'm going to get more exercise this way. So it is a matter of how we choose to think about the circumstances, not about the circumstances themselves, but how we are, choose to think about the circumstances that determines our response. And that response can be more healthy for us physically, emotionally, spiritually. And it can help us get in the right frame of mind of actually doing something productive, like, like praying for people if we think they might be in distress. So this is, this is um, now, now believe it or not, what you've just gone through right here is a lot of what goes on in dealing with uh, people who are on federal caseload. You know, when they come in the probation office, this is the type of things we work with them on, on how to think differently about. It's like, if you're, if you're a little short on funds, maybe you should think about getting a second job instead of robbing a bank, you know? Those kind of things. It's like, the, the, the stimulus is the same, how you think about it might change how you do things, right? So, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry. <clears throat> now, um, we're not puppets. We are conscious, rational human beings. And... Um, Satan uses people and circumstances to bait us into sin. But before sin can happen, we have to be thinking thoughts that are facilitating that sin. We can stop that process by thinking differently. <clears throat> Y'all did an excellent job, by the way, on the... Exercise. Okay, so let's go to Second um, Samuel chapter twelve. 
I want to I want to let you see an example of the OODA loop in action here with David. <clears throat> Second Samuel 12, starting in verse 13. Uh, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. However, because you, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. So this was after the events with Bathsheba. And she had become pregnant. God told David that uh, you're not going to die, but this child who has been born of this illicit relationship will. Uh, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose and went to him, raise him up from the ground but he would not nor did he eat food with them then on the seventh day it came to pass that the child died and the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead for they said indeed while the child was alive we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice how can we tell him that the child is dead he may do some harm they actually probably thought he was going to hurt himself when David saw his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house. And when he requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You, you fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So this... This behavior by David stunned those around him because they, they felt like he was in such deep grief over his son that, uh, that surely once the child died, he would be overcome with grief. And that wasn't what was going on at all in David's thought process. He knew that God had pronounced that the child was going to die. But after the child became ill, child was still alive. David implored the Lord and uh, thought maybe that the Lord's mercy might uh, actually cause him to relent and change his mind about that. But once it was clear that the child was dead and the issue was resolved, then uh, David adjusted to the circumstances and went on his way and got back onto a healthy way of living and thinking. Um, Really amazing to see how how a uh, how he adjusted to the circumstances when uh, most of us would would might have thought of you know forming a prayer circle and 
maybe trying to lay hands on the dead child to raise him up. And it's like, David was like, no, I've got my answer. This is it. I'm going forward now. And he immediately got back to living. Uh, there is a, um, uh, a phenomenon that I've observed, you know, in, over the years in, in uh, the life of, of many Christians. People in general don't think very rationally. Uh, they don't think logically. They don't think with any degree of discipline. And Christians suffer from this as, as much or as more as, as people in the world do. Uh, I've, I've seen some very peculiar thinking errors in the body of Christ. Things like, God won't discipline me if I'm disobedient. Uh, I, can, I can tell you of several case histories with uh, individuals in, in federal court who were people who were professing Christians. And they were selling drugs. And they got caught and they go to court, and they're just totally convinced that God is going to give them uh, probation. And so they form prayer circles out in the hallway, and they all get together, and they pray, and, and, um, and they, they apparently have uh, forgotten to read Hebrews chapter 12, where it says that if, if we're God's children, we are going to be disciplined. And so uh, there's, this, there's this principle where um, if we if we read God's word and it seems to lay out a principle for us, we need to act in accordance with that if we're going to be blessed. Another thing that I've seen repeatedly violated is the idea of I can be greedy as long as I convince myself that I'm going to use the money to help people. I'm going to give it to the church or I'm going to build an orphanage or whatever. I've seen a bunch of people come through court who uh, were professing Christians and got involved in the most ridiculous schemes of uh, uh, believing in 100 to 1 in re investment returns and all kinds of nonsense, uh, get-rich-quick schemes, and, and the way that they justify it to themselves is, well, I'm, I'm going to use the money you know, to serve God. It's like... It's funny that the money that they've gotten, they never do that with. But that's always what you hear after the fact when they've gotten themselves in trouble. Uh, another, uh, and, and they've forgotten, you know, that uh, we are supposed to be content with such things as we have and, and not pursue money. Uh, you can't serve God and riches, Jesus said. And it's like, that is just like, okay, that should be a no-brainer. But people continually get themselves in trouble, even as Christians, by violating that. Another one is, oh, I don't have to pay taxes or obey the government. I'm special. I'm a child of God. Like, well, um, that's, that's great. You know, um, Kent Hovind, who is a, a popular uh, uh, apologetics teacher in the body of Christ, you know, he spent some time in federal prison because he got convicted of a number of, of uh, federal felonies not paying his taxes. It's like, sorry, but Romans 13 <laughs> says very clearly, pay your taxes. Romans 13 says very clearly, obey the government. Uh, these things are like, if there's a principle in God's word, then uh, we're going to use the OODA loop to uh, analyze how we should deal with that. 
So we observe a principle in God's word. There's our observe. Then we orient ourselves to that principle by agreeing with it. And then we make decisions and act in accordance with the principle from God's word. Then God can bless us in our endeavors. And we are vessels fit for the master's use, prepared for every good work. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21. Rather than being an unfit vessel or for a dishonorable purpose, like being a chamber pot. We have too many chamber pots in the body of Christ today. Uh, what we need are people who will act in accordance with God's principles and quit getting disturbed and bent off on uh, ancillary uh, matters that don't affect our spirit. Well, they do affect our spiritual health. That's the problem. They also affect our witness to the body of Christ. We need to be people who are consistent about biblical principles and how we deal with business and how we drive and how we interact at the grocery store and what we say on social media. These things are, are not, um, they, are, they are our witness to the world and we're not doing a real good job of that. So let's remember the OODA loop. Observe, orient, decide, and act in accordance with God's principles. And remember that the less we allow emotion to govern our thinking, the better our decisions are going to be. To them. And that's you know, that's how the word of God is is supposed to be. It's supposed to be something that changes our lives, changes our actions, changes our our thoughts, whether it's how you're reacting when you're out on the road driving or or little things like that and I, th I think so often it can happen in our lives and I you know I see this happen in in teachings and in churches and wherever I mean, no one's really immune to it that you know, we hear the word of God and it sounds like a good theory it sounds like I mean, it's, it's good words, and yes, we agree with it, and this is, this is great, this is great truth. But how does it affect our lives? How, how does it change our lives? And I think that that's, that's what I'm hearing, that's what I heard from you this morning in, in your teaching is, is that word of God and how it very practically can, can change our lives. So thank you for sharing that word with us. Does anyone else have anything to uh, share yet that God has put on your heart? Feel free. Now's the time. A few announcements. Um, Tuesday evening, I believe, is a sister's meeting, sister's gathering here at the church, hosted by Sarah Esch at 6.30, I believe. Um, that is in your... Uh, bulletins, ladies, and also look for any information on that on the Viber channel. Next Friday evening, I believe I'm correct, is our uh, family evening here. You all are welcome to come and uh, just, we'll have a time of fellowship, games, whatever, uh, whatever we uh, have to do that's just... A time of fellowship, nothing formal. And John and Maggie will be hosting that. You have anything great cooked up for us, John, for next Friday evening? 
<laughs> All right. That's next. That's not this coming Friday, but the next, right? Always the first Friday of the month. Okay. So that's not this Friday, but next. And next Sunday is our fifth Sunday of the month. So what we are doing now for the fifth Sunday of the month is we'll have our uh, we'll have a communion service, and then we will not have a uh, lunch together afterwards. Give some time for us to uh, have an afternoon with our families, or invite another family over, or whatever. Just to kind of uh, free things up there. But that's <clears throat> that's going to be our plan going forward for. Every time there's a fifth Sunday, which should be four times a year generally, I believe. So that is next Sunday. There'll be a communion service Sunday morning along with sharing of the word. And uh, for that communion service, we, we invite you to come and, and partake in that. We don't, we don't ask that you uh, specifically be a member of a church or, or anything like that. We believe that partaking of the communion service... It is, yes, in fellowship with the believers, but it's a testimony of your relationship with God and with Jesus and what he's done for you. So if you have that relationship, please uh, do join us in that communion service next Sunday. Are there any other announcements that I'm missing? We have our normal uh, meal after the service here. And... Uh, I believe Alma cooked up a really nice pot of chili that looks really good, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Please uh, stay and enjoy that. Cinnamon rolls, all kinds of good stuff back there, so let's uh, enjoy our time of fellowship and food this afternoon. If there's nothing else, everybody please stand, and we'll dismiss with a prayer. Jason, you want to lead us in a closing prayer and blessing on the new meal? Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the fellowship of the body of believers that are here today. And God, I just lift up anyone here who does not know you. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, we thank you for the time we have to fellowship. Thank you for the food. Thank you for your many blessings and your great love in our lives. We just bless your name and worship you. And bless the food to our bodies and bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.